0: Hi everyone, I'm Megan and welcome to Word Crash, the game show where questionable plots compete for your vote to win a place in the Word Crash Hall of Infamy. Let's meet our contestants. First, from Denver, Colorado, she enjoys painting, horseback riding, and margaritas, the author of A Brother's Truth, Jenna Morrison. Hello. Next, she loves hiking, gardening, reading, and her cat, Ash, a woman who's dreamt of being a writer since elementary school. Please welcome A.D. Graves. Hello. Well, nothing left to do but get to it. Let's play Word Crash. Take a seat because the perspective has changed and nothing is as it seems because they're the villain. In this game, we challenge our contestant to retell a story by making the hero a villain. Jenna, what have you decided on today?
1: Let's do Jon Snow from Game of Thrones.
0: Like, Is there going to be like an initial kick the cat moment that's like, oh, oh, he's not the good guy.
1: I guess at the moment would be where he states that he wants to kill Joffrey Baratheon. So is he the villain or the hero?
0: Does he actually kill Joffrey?
1: Let's just say he does.
0: What's his plan?
1: He poisons him. And then he frames Jamie Lannister.
0: Where does he put the poison? Show me that scene. Is he going to be sneaky?
1: Yeah, so during Joffrey's wedding... He puts the poison in the rotisserie chicken.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. He puts poison in the chicken. Uh, AD, (laughs) what's the fallout from this? Does anyone else eat that chicken? Does anybody else die?
2: Absolutely. I feel like a lot of people would end up eating that chicken.
0: It's been a while since I've watched Game of Thrones. Who were some of the people that were at that wedding?
1: Yeah, I think it was like Brianna Tarth was there. Jamie Lannister, Cersei, oh, Marjorie, the girl that he marries, Tommen, Tyrion, and Sansa.
0: Does he end up killing his sister by accident?
1: Definitely. And then, therefore, he turns more evil. <laughs> I think that would definitely make him
2: turn more evil if he ends up accidentally killing his sister. I think that would also make for an interesting story.
0: How does Circe react to ostensibly her brother killing their child?
1: Maybe she falls more into her addiction of alcohol and becomes a drunk mother, kind of like falls down that path of not really being present in the
0: moment. So AD, what, is, what does Jamie do now that he's been accused
2: well, he has to clear his name somehow. I think he would lay low for a little bit. I think he would try to accuse someone else.
0: So he's going to go look for evidence.
2: Yeah, something that'll point to someone else.
0: Jamie Lannister is going to go on an adventure, tries to clear his name. Who's going with him?
1: Hmm. Let's choose Tyrion. It's easier that way.
0: You know, I have this feeling that Tyrion doesn't actually believe that his brother didn't do it. And that this is all just like an elaborate excuse, something to make him feel better. I can just see Tyrion teasing him all the time about accidentally killing Joffrey. This evil Jon Snow, what's his next step?
1: So since he killed Joffrey, he's going to track down Cersei and Jaime because they're the owners of the Iron Throne. And so his next plot is to somehow kill them but kill them behind the scenes so he's not accused. So maybe what he does next is he hires somebody to kill them.
0: A.D., do you know anyone he could hire?
1: I think that he would hire Ramsey.
0: He was kind of a badass, right?
1: I think so. Hmm. He'll probably go after Cersei because he wants that final showdown with Jamie.
0: Is he going to succeed? I mean, is Jon Snow just going to be like, go kill this person? And he's going to be like... Stab, stab, stab! It's it's over.
1: I don't think he
2: would succeed. I think there there's yeah. got to be something a little more that happens.
0: Who defeats Ramses?
1: I would say maybe that big tall guard that's always guarding Cersei. I think he would defeat Ramses, but Ramses would almost die. Maybe he'll like play dead, just you know, and then get thrown out with like a bunch of bodies because maybe. The Lannisters really are like murderous people. And so (laughs) he's almost dead, but he lives and everyone thinks that he dies. But he comes back for a bigger showdown.
0: (laughs) I love it, especially because being consistent with Game of Thrones, there are no heroes. Jon Snow cannot take this well. Jenna, what's the next step for Jon Snow?
1: I would say he becomes more vengeful and so he hires theon Greyjoy. yeah or i've got a better idea he chooses tommen to kill the lannisters because tommen is easily manipulated and he is cersei's other son the one that's like perfect and innocent
0: oh interesting I- and what does he have to tell him to get this to happen
1: he probably tries to manipulate Tommen. Like, look how the Lannisters have treated you all these years. And if you kill your mother and father, well, uh, uncle, father, um, <laughs> then maybe you'll, like, succeed the Iron Throne and you'll be the one to have all these riches and all these women. Like, they'll all, like, flock to you.
0: And. AD, what does Jon Snow give to Tommen or show Tommen? It's kind of like that. Here's a taste of what you could have.
2: A little celebration. A little get-together. And kind of immerse him into what it might be like to rule. Like, have him follow. So Tommen would follow Jon Snow around sometimes. And kind of experience this life that he could have.
0: Let's bring his master plan together. How does he finally get the Iron Throne?
1: You know, what I kind of wonder is somehow breaking the Lannisters' hearts so that way they're distracted and they can't fight as well. He tries to, like, you know, trick Tommen and whatever, but in reality, he actually murders Tommen and Marcella in front of Cersei and Jaime, and then they're hysterical, and then that's when he starts to fight them.
0: Maybe he convinces Tommen to try and then he swoops in like the hero and saves them from Tommen. Then they're so upset they let their guard down
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and he takes them out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they would almost not trust him completely, but they'd be a little more trusting if he comes in like the hero. And then he would go and betray them at that point.
0: This actually sounds like it could have been a plot on Game of Thrones.
1: It really does. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this, is, this is exactly the kind of stuff that was in there. <laughs> proud of us. I'm very proud of us. Do we have an alternate name for this story of the evil Jon Snow?
1: Game of Chairs. I'm just kidding. Game of
0: Chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for Secret Sauce, where our contestants share a tip or trick they use to keep the creative juices flowing. AD, what do you have for us today?
2: If I am feeling like I don't know where to go with my story or I'm not liking any of the ideas that pop into my mind, I usually will pick up a book and flip to a random page and read something. Or if that doesn't work, I will... I'll kind of just relax and put on a TV show. And sometimes I will see something in a show or read something in a book where I'm like, oh, something like that might work, but I would have to change it to mold it to my story. Where And mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. can be difficult sometimes, but it definitely gives you a bit of inspiration to see other people's creative
0: i really like the idea of jumping in to a book at some random page right in improv i do a lot of improv comedy or i used to before the pandemic did a lot of improv comedy and that is one of the ways we do a sketch right somebody opens up a book to a random page you read some word on the page and you have to do an entire skit based on that sentence or that word Do you have a book that's been more successful than any other book at inspiring you?
2: A book that really inspired me was The Cerulean by Amy Ewing. That was one of my favorite books. It actually inspired me to start writing again. So I will sometimes gravitate towards that book when I'm looking for inspiration.
0: What's that book about? I'm sorry, I don't know it.
2: It's a fantasy. It's about above the stars is all women. And they live this very sheltered kind of life. And they have a, almost like a high priestess who makes up all the rules, rules over them. And then they have alkalites and, you know, there's a whole chain. And there's a tether that holds their world in place. That tether is actually held into place on earth. And one of Ooh. the people that lived there, I think if I remember correctly, her name was Sierra and she actually falls. She was a sacrifice and she survived when she hit earth. And so she's in this whole new world. She's never seen a man before and she falls in love and she discovers all these secrets. And I just think it's such an an amazing book.
0: Jenna, what is your tip or trick for today? What I usually like to do is
1: like take a bath and like have a bath bomb and you just like sit there and, you know, you just like think of like, what if, you know, something were to happen or this were to happen? Um, Just kind of like random shower thoughts in a way, but, you know, you don't like limit yourself at all. And it's really weird. Like I come up with like the craziest ideas sometimes. And so sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll actually hit up AD because she's my critique partner or Stacy, um, and be like, hey, I have this crazy idea. Like, what do you think? You know, And sometimes I just need to like talk through my ideas to get more inspired.
0: I'm a software engineer. And so what this sounds like to me when you're talking to other people, you're doing something we call rubber ducking. Have you ever heard of that term before? No. It's when you take an idea and you try to explain it like you're explaining it to a rubber duck. Yeah. And just by talking about it, just by explaining it to that rubber duck, all of a sudden you've make some connection in your head.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what happens. Like I'll just be like, "Oh, you know, I'll just start telling her the story. This is what happens, blah blah blah." And then it just kind of builds on and more and more the more I talk about it and think about it and even, like, right now, like, I'm writing my final draft, and I texted AD this morning, and I was like, what if I added this?
2: <laughs> I, I get a lot of 3 a.m. what ifs.
0: <laughs> oh, Jenna's that friend.
1: Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, like, a lot of times I come up with the craziest ideas at 3 in the morning. Like, I can't sleep, and it's like my brain is like, psst, what if we did this? <laughs> And
0: <laughs> do you ever get up at three o'clock in the morning and actually write? I've had to do that a couple times.
1: Sometimes I'll just pull out my phone, like on the notes and then I'll just like draw down ideas But I try not to do that because otherwise I'll get in the habit of doing it all the time. And then therefore I'll be like sleep deprived all the time.
0: The whole sleep or produce work. Yep. <laughs> I wish I could give up sleep more actually, but I can't. I'm one of those people who will just fall asleep. <laughs> So I I don't really have much choice. Don't ask me how I got a computer science degree (laughs) without being able to stay up late. Somehow I did.
1: It's very impressive. It's funny. That is.
0: So AD, do you text Jenna at three o'clock in the morning? Absolutely.
1: I I
2: have to give it back. (laughs) I think there was a few nights ago. I think Jenna posted on Twitter and then she texted me and my thought. I like. I was sleeping. I woke up and I looked at my phone and
1: my first thought was, Jenna, what are you doing? <laughs> it's three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And then she texted me that. She's like, what are you doing? It's three in the morning. You're usually in bed by eight.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. I don't think I've ever had any two guests on the show that collaborated and had as much fun as you two.
2: <laughs> we definitely have a lot of fun yeah. going back and forth with each other's plots.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, that's all we'll talk about all day for months and months. And it just never gets old. (laughs) I don't know how it hasn't gotten old. I don't know either.
0: The advice is have a writing friend. I like it.
2: It definitely helps. Yeah.
0: And also something you said, Jenna, even if it's silly, just accepting those things as they come by, let it be crazy and consider it. There's plenty of people who judge themselves and say, no, no, they won't even tell somebody it. They won't even, you know, "Uh, I don't know. So having someone that you're comfortable enough to say, what about this crazy thing? And for them to be like, what are you thinking? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it it being okay, you know, uh, is fantastic.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it's like really weird because that's how a lot of times like how it happens. Like I'll have like this idea of like where I want to go with the story and, Like, I'll keep characters alive, like, that's my plan. And then I'll be like, just think of that, you know, when I'm, like, showering or, I don't know, you know, sleeping. And I'll be like, hey, what do you think of this idea if I kill them off in this way? (laughs) And then she's either like, oh, yeah, go for it, or she's like, that idea sucks. Don't do it. And then I'm like, okay, (laughs) what about this?
2: (laughs) Sometimes I'll say, maybe write it both ways. And then when we get to it, we'll see which one fits better. That's usually my advice when I'm not sure which might Mm -hmm. fit
1: better. And then I have tried that, like how she says it. And a lot of times, like, I'll start, like, writing both ways or whatever. But my brain can't exactly, like write it down, and it won't flow, like, how I wanted it to flow, so that's how I know, oh, it's a bad idea, or it's not going to work out, just because, like, I can't imagine scene by scene, you know, like, it just won't naturally flow, and then, so, yeah, like, I always take, like, 80s advice, and then I, like, do that, and that's how I know, oh, okay, it's not meant to be, (laughs)
0: ad gets out of judging whether something's a good decision or a bad decision by telling you to write it both ways and decide yourself <laughs> that is very clever very I, I clever think I... about
1: it like that <laughs> it's like the best advice ever though like seriously because it like makes me think harder and then i'm like okay i'm gonna like actually do it and attempt it and sometimes it just doesn't work out and then i'm like okay Well, I have, you know, two other solutions that I'm going to try to write out, so.
0: No, I, I totally love it. I think that's really the big tip here is write it both ways. If you're really stuck and you don't know what to do, start writing it both ways and whatever works out, works out.
1: Don't be afraid to, like, go outside of the lines of your plot and your idea. Like, embrace those wild, crazy, sudden... Flip of a switch. Oh, what, ha- you know, like, what if I do this? What if I kill off this character? What if I make them evil all of a sudden? I don't know. Something like that.
0: I call it sometimes you need to make a bold choice. Mm. Right. I got to a point in my my follow-up to my first book. I'm working on that right now. And I know what I need to do. Eventually, all these people need to be here so I can do this thing. And I had to make the decision, No. I guess they don't all have to be there. This person's going to do something to make that happen. And people are probably not going to like that decision, but I had to make a bold decision to to move the story forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was one of those ideas you were talking about, Jenna, just like, Oh, what if? And I'm just like, Oh, what if, you know, I'm like, no, I can't do that. These people need to be here. Maybe it'll, you know, it probably should work out later there. And then I can do this other thing. No, no, I'm going to do it.
1: Exactly. Get Something
0: further down the road. That's better.
1: Yeah, and I think like my advice at that too is like try not to weigh in what everyone else will think a lot. You know, you you write what you want to write whether people like it or not because no matter what you write, there's always going to be that one unhappy person. Um but and then like I don't know, like I'm currently struggling with I produced a very dark story. And therefore, um, I kind of wish that I wasn't so, um, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to write whatever I want to (laughs) write. But at the same time, it's like, well, the story is what it is. I had fun with it. And that's all that matters at the end of the day.
0: Watch out. This is what happens when worlds collide. It's time for Character Mash. Take two characters and mash their stories together. A.D., who are we mashing today?
2: We are mashing together Captain Jack Sparrow and
0: Mary Poppins. Ooh, Captain Jack Sparrow and Mary Poppins. This is... <laughs> I see it. I see it. I understand why you mash them together. Now, their clothes kind of line up a little bit in some weird way, don't they?
2: A little bit. I think their personalities do, too, a bit. Um, Mary Poppins has her umbrella that she comes down with and floats away with and he, Captain Jack Sparrow's always swinging from the rigging of the ship it has a similar vision
0: it does it does it has a very similar uh, whimsical feel to it of a time that's not fantasy Yeah. what do you see this world that this combination of Jack Sparrow and Mary Poppins exists in
2: I would say it would be somewhere between both of their time periods. It would still take place in England.
0: What are we gonna name this character? Is it is it a guy, or is it a girl? Is it Mary Sparrow? Is it Jack Poppins?
2: I like Mary Sparrow.
0: Is Mary Sparrow still taking care of kids? Absolutely. Does she have the tricorner hat?
2: Oh, that is a signature look. Yeah.
0: How does she meet these kids?
2: Mary Poppins takes care of kids when there's a lot going on and the parents need a break. So I'm thinking Mary Sparrow does something very similar. But she takes the children off of the parents' hands for a bit and brings them pirating.
0: Ooh. She comes in pretending to be all prim and proper and is going to take the kids for a nice summer vacation. And then off comes the corset, on goes the hat. We're going sailing, children! Yes. I can see it. I could see it. Mary Sparrow. We need some kids. Yeah. How many kids?
2: I'd say there's two or three.
0: Okay, Jenna, two or three?
2: Two. Okay. Mary Poppins takes, you know, the children on adventures all the time. So that's what I'm thinking. This would be an adventure that... Mary Sparrow take the children on they get on the pirate ship and she's teaching the children maybe they encounter another ship and the pirates on the other ship maybe they kidnap one of the children I like that and Mary Sparrow has to figure out how to get them back
1: I love that what I'm thinking is is maybe you know he gets kidnapped by those other pirates At first, he doesn't like them, but he finds them, like, super cool. And they're rebellious. They're, like, a bunch of, you know, like, outcasts, just like this one kid. And maybe he gets really close to one of them. Kind of, like, becomes their friend. However, they are rivals to Mary Sparrow. And so it's kind of like the kid drifts onto the dark side and chooses them to be... His family, kind of like a manipulation thing.
0: Yeah, and a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. I am getting such a, a hook feeling from this, you know, hook, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe with Pirates of the Caribbean in there. I, I think this has a lot of legs. <laughs> it's really great. Okay, so what lesson was Mary Sparrow trying to teach the kids? What, what was that thing that they needed?
2: They needed to learn to be more independent.
0: I'm getting the feeling that they're a little spoiled. They're a little pampered. There's a little bit of taught helplessness. Maybe the parents are a little overbearing and don't let them do things themselves. How do we bring everybody together in the end for some kind of climax?
2: It would be coming to an end, the, the term that Mary Sparrow has the kids for. And she really has to get the other child back to their parents. And she needs both of the children to do that. So she has to set out to find her rival ship.
0: So when they find each other, there's gotta be some kind of battle. And those really rough pirates, there has to be some line that the other sibling won't cross. Jenna, what's a horrible thing that these pirates wanna do that the other sibling just won't cross. They just, that That's it. That's like, no, no, maybe this isn't for me.
1: Hmm. Maybe they're like, okay, well, if you want to be part of our clan, you have to be the one to maybe like rob and murder, like this one peasant person in a village.
0: And I'm getting the feeling that he can't do it. And uh, A.D., when he can't do it how do the pirates react to that
2: they feel like he's a traitor
0: and after they think that he's a traitor they gotta take this kid and lock him up you'll learn we'll put you back you'll learn next time you'll do it right and the kid's like i don't want anything to do with it now so what kind of things should mary sparrow be able to do
2: what I'm thinking is that the compass...
0: The compass that didn't point north.
2: Yeah, so the compass, instead of pointing towards the thing you want most, or the thing you need most, the compass points to locate the lost child.
0: It always points to your family. Yeah, Well, I would love to see Mary Sparrow be able to pull things out of her hat, that tri-corner hat. She pulls it out, and it's just like her magic bag, right? She just goes in there and grabs stuff. So she always has something that she needs. The two ships have a battle in the middle of the ocean, and people are swinging from the rigging, uh, swords between their teeth, trying to rescue people. And it comes down to a showdown between Davy Jones and Mary Sparrow. How does that combat go?
2: Well, I think it would go in favor of Mary Sparrow because she's got her hat. But I think that Davy Jones is going to take that hat at some point and Mary Sparrow has to get it back so she can reach into the hat and find the ultimate weapon that's going to stop Davy Jones.
0: I can just see right now Davy Jones has got Mary Sparrow's hat. He keeps reaching in to pull stuff out and he pulls out birds and an ever long like scarf that won't end and a pie or something just ridiculous stuff trying to find something important to to marry or Mary's sword or something like that. Right. But but he can't do it. He can only pull out ridiculous stuff, including like. Oh, a coat rack, right? (laughs) He pulls a coat rack out and he has to fight with the coat rack for a little while um, until he could like find a, a better weapon. So they win in the end and the kids are back together and reunited and they have to go back to their parents. And if this is about teaching them to be independent, then how do we see that they've learned that lesson when they go back to their parents?
2: I think that the children would be a bit more grateful for having their parents. And that they would put less strain on them.
0: I love this idea. I really do. (laughs) I really love the Mary Sparrow idea. Something about the female whimsical pirate taking care of kids, showing them adventures. I think it's got legs. Before we go, it's time to give our authors a chance to talk about what's new and exciting in their lives. Jenna, what's new and exciting in your life?
1: Well, um, my book, A Brother's Truth, just hit bestseller for the Western horror fiction, so that's exciting for me.
0: Oh, congratulations. No, Thank don't you. don't move forward on that. Let's let's celebrate that right now. Oh thanks. Uh, that was best selling on what?
1: Uh Western horror fiction.
0: Western Horror Fiction. Congratulations. That is fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the book?
1: Yeah. So it's about these two peasant brothers in the 1800s. And one of the brothers is like super, um, he has like a lot of anger issues and he causes a lot of trouble around town. And back in the day, like whenever you committed a crime, it was like automatic death sentence where you were wanted. And so he like is you know, causing all these disputes and the one other brother is raising the siblings and, um, he's just trying to keep everything together. And when he finds out about his brother's arrest, because he's sentenced to death, he has to try to get his brother out. And it kind of just goes on from there and leads into this big journey.
0: My brother always getting me in trouble, right? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, I gotta, duh. Yep. <laughs> why can't he just be normal? Exactly. That was like one
1: of the lines in there.
0: <laughs> uh, I can relate. Yeah. Not to the arresting thing or the sentence to death <laughs> thing. Just why can't they be normal? Yeah. Unfortunately, I was never normal.
1: <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay all right well congratulations on the book what else are you doing
1: uh so i'm writing a sequel right now and it's called a brother's tragedy oh big surprise because it's dark <laughs> but anyway um yeah i'm working through the final draft currently
0: fantastic fantastic yeah. and where can people find you on the internet
1: so you could go to my website at com. You could go to my Twitter and my Instagram. It's like author J Morrison. And then the other one is author Jenna Morrison.
0: A.D., what's new and exciting in your life?
2: In a month, my book, A Lord By You, will be released.
0: Fantastic. Is this your first book? Yes. Tell us about it.
2: It's a YA thriller. And it starts out with, Two neighbors and one neighbor, Bridget, she gets very interested in her door neighbor's life, whose name is Veronica. And Bridget seems to be very obsessed with Veronica and just can't stop watching her and wanting to know everything about Veronica's life. When things start to get a bit messy for Veronica, Bridget feels this deep need to keep her eye on her and protect her but the big thing is how is Bridget gonna do
1: that it's a very good story (laughs) I was very shocked at the end so anyone who is like a fan of like you the show yeah it's a very good book
0: fantastic Jenna I think you're the first person to say that the other contestants uh, book was good it's so great having people who know each other on here. It's so great and heartwarming.
2: Thank you. Um, Jenna's book was also amazing. I I
1: cried. I laughed. It was such a great book. And then you texted me at the end. You're like, no. <laughs> I did.
2: I did. I thought something else was going to happen. And it went the way I didn't think it was going to go. <laughs> Oof.
0: Well, foreshadowing, nebulous foreshadowing there for anybody who is picking up either of your books. So, A.D., where can people find you? So I think the
2: best way to find me would be Twitter, and that's A.D. Graves Books. And then on Twitter, there's a link that will bring you to my website and other stuff. So,
0: so when is your book being released?
2: April 19th, on Amazon. Fantastic. Oh.
0: So, which pitch deserves a place in the Wordcrash Hall of Infamy? Was it Jon Snow the Villain or The High Adventures of Mary Sparrow? You tell us. Tweet us at Word Crash Game and vote for your favorite story of the night. If you're listening on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe and get in those comments to tell us how you would tackle our questions today. Everything we talk about will be in the links below. Thank you for listening. I'm Megan, and this has been Wordcrash, reminding you to always get creative.